Please open your Bibles to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We'll be in verses 7 through 11 today. All right, so really, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Yes, my name is Randall Davis. I bring greetings all the way from South Bend. (laughs) South Bend, Indiana, Redemption City Church. I see some familiar faces in here. What up, y'all? How y'all doing? It's always good to see some some familiar faces. Um, But yeah, I'm one of those guys where it's I feel like I've known you, you know, forever. So when you shake hands with me afterwards, I'm going to make it seem like we've known each other forever. And those who know me know that's true. So I look forward to that. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Um, any Michigan fans in here? I see a little football team. I see a little football team, man. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I may shout out a root tomorrow for you all. Um, but, you know, hey, hey, go blue tomorrow, right? Go blue, go blue, go blue, go blue. Um, a little bit about myself, man. I am from Waukegan, Illinois, which is about 45 minutes north of the city of Chicago. Uh, my wife, Angel Davis, is from the south side of Chicago. Shout out to the south side. Shout out to the south side. So I will get into a little bit more about the church plant and where the Lord has us in this season. Um, after the message today. And so um, if you don't mind, before I read James chapter 5, verse 7 through 11, um, share a little bit something about uh, myself before we get into this passage. Um, when I first made my journey to South Bend, the interesting thing is uh, I, was, I came with my family and we had no idea uh, that, that church planting was on the radar. Had no idea. Uh, We simply thought that RCC was just our landing spot, you know, and we we were okay with that. We came to RCC and we thought, hey, this is where we're going to be. And uh, I'm cool with that. And uh, be an assistant pastor and and come alongside Stephen and help plant this this church right here in South Bend. And and clearly God had different plans. And so, um, however, in this season, I found myself doing a lot of things without waiting on the Lord to move. I believe these actions have caused me in a lot of ways to to revisit some things in in retrospect, Uh, things that could have been avoided had I approached them uh, properly. Now, if I were to ask everyone in this room to, to raise your hand, if you can relate to me, I'm sure I would get quite a few responses saying, you know what, I've been there before, but I won't do that because I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Right, Mike? I'm a nice dude. Um, so my prayer today is that the Lord can encourage you um, in this season as he has encouraged me in this area called patience today. Patience uh, from James Chapter 5. But before I read that, let me ask you a question. How are you dealing with patience in your life? How are you dealing with patience in your life? Are you avoiding patience? Are you ignoring the process? Are you avoiding it? A question that we will revisit 
at the end of the sermon. How are you personally in your life right now dealing with patience? Because, beloved, we've heard a lot of things this past week. We may have heard that your sin is too great for God to be in the picture. You, you may have heard that God has left your situation. You may have heard that God is nowhere near your life. Now, beloved, let's hear the word of God from James chapter 5, verse 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be, here's that word again, patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door as an example of suffering. And that word again, patience, brothers. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain, sending them for patience steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. One of the most troubling things that can happen to an oyster is to have lodged within its confines a, a tiny particle grain of sand. Most of the time, this oyster can, can locate this grain of sand and expel it from its premises. But there are those times where the oyster tries as it might with every ounce and fiber of its being, but just can't get rid of this grain of sin. When the oyster finds itself in a situation or a circumstance that it cannot change, it becomes irritated. It becomes frustrated. It becomes exacerbated. Now, the oyster has, has lost its mind. It, it cannot change the situation or a circumstance. So the oyster does the only thing it knows to do in this situation is to provide itself with a sigh of relief. And that is to locate this grain of sand and to coat it over and over and over again with a liquid fluid until it finally calcifies into something that you and I pay top dollar for, and it's called a pearl. Gospel City Church, at the end of the day, the pearl is just the fruit of a very frustrated oyster. Without grains of sand, without irritation, without frustration, without exacerbation, there will be no pearls. 
God has sent me here today, I believe this to be true, that he sent me here to tell someone that he is relentlessly pursuing you, trying to make a pearl out of your life. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I love the language in the NLT, the New Living Translation, that says that we are God's masterpiece. In other words, God views us as trophies or his most prized possessions. And we say amen to that. Yes, and amen. We want the prize. But the problem with so many followers of Jesus Christ, we do not want the process. In God's kingdom, in God's economy, there is no such thing as you and I becoming pearls without first encountering life's irritating and frustrating grains of sand. Let's take a journey through scripture and, and, and see some individuals who are examples of pearls. First up, we read of people like Joseph. We say, yes, yes, I want to be like Joseph. I love Joseph. Joseph is the man. I want to be like him. I want to be like his story. I want to be in his story in command of the nation of Egypt. But look a little closer and you'll see some grains of sand. Lied on by his brothers. Betrayed by Potiphar's wife. Forgotten about. Left in jail. Grains of sand. Or we read of people like Moses. Of course, I want to be like Moses. Absolutely. Yes, I want to be like him, that lawgiver and leader. I want to be like him. Look a little closer and you'll see some grains of sand. Forty years of shepherding sheep on the dusty plains of Midian, wondering if God had forgotten about him. Until one day God shows up in a bush that is burning but not being consumed. Grains of sand. Or we look at David, absolutely, I want to be like David. David is the man. I want to be like him, the great king, that great worshiper, that psalmist who ushered Israel into her golden era. But look a little closer and you will see some grains of sand spending years dodging spears from a deranged saw, hiding out in caves, wondering, God, where are you? We want the prize, but the problem as followers of Christ, we do not want the process. Here's a quote from D.A. Carson. Shout out to Trinity International University. The reason why we as Christians don't pray for patience is because we are spiritually savvy enough to know that we are asking God to put me in a situation I do not like. The very definition of patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. One thing I have come to know for sure is there is no way that we can have such patience without welcoming God into the process. Can I encourage you just for a moment here? Don't, don't, don't run from that prayer. Do not run from that prayer of patience. And the reason I am making this statement is because proper patience builds godly character. If you're taking notes, please write that down. Proper patience builds godly character. 
I am under the impression that the reason why we have so many impatient people is because the process of patience is being avoided. Beloved, we got to be careful of this fear because what begins to happen is that we begin to do things in our own strength. We We begin to act prematurely. James is saying, be patient. And I'm getting to the text. I know y'all looking at me like, this brother is not preaching the text. I know where I'm at. I know where I'm at. We, be patient. Be patient. I got you. As we look at James, we see what separates James' epistle from all the other epistles is this, that it's filled with imperative. After imperative. After imperative, the idea of an imperative for all my teachers in the room is a command. It's like James has taken Randall Davis into a corner and says, be patient. James is not recommending. James is not giving advice. He is not giving us something to ponder. Here's the big idea from this passage between 7 through 11 is simply this. The big idea in James 5 verses 7 through 11 is remain patient in the process. Read with me verse 7. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. First point today is be patient until. Be patient until. The word until implies that whatever you're going through has an expiration date. It was C.S. Lewis who said this. There are two places you would never need patience. Hell, because there are no exit signs. In heaven because there is no adversity, but everything you are experiencing in between is temporary. I love that quote by C.S. Lewis because what he's implying is that we will need patience with everything that is temporary. Financial troubles, temporary. Marital strife, temporary. Disobedience in the household for those who have shorties, me. Temporary. Health issues, temporary. A whole list of things that are temporary. I could be here all day long, but the point is this. It's all temporary. Everything you're going through, even though it might not end the way you like it, has an until attached to it which means it will end. James is making it very plain here. Be patient until. It's been heavy on my heart this week as I'm looking at this. I'm like, man, I was talking to a brother this morning. He was like, Randall, I'm not excited uh, about your preaching patience because I know I'm going to be convicted. I was like, yo, Me and you are the same. We're going to sit together as I preach. I don't even know where he is, but I told him that. I should go sit next to him as I preach this message. (laughs) 
being patient until. Second point, do not grumble. Let's read on. Verse 8, you must, you also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Do not complain. This is funny because early, I've been married almost 14 years, and my wife says, you know, I, should, I used to, I'm going to use the word used to, uh, be a complainer. Uh, I am no longer a complainer. I'm, I'm messing with you. I, com- I still complain here and there. I still complain here and there. <laughs> Pray for me. Pray for me. This phrase, do not complain, takes its Jewish readers back to the Exodus event where a six-week journey turns into a 40-year situation because they complained, 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 and they grumbled, and they grumbled, and they grumbled. The word patience is just not physical, but it's also a reflection of your attitude. In fact, James begins his epistle by giving us a window for patience in chapter 1, and he says, count it all joy. If you have Jesus, no matter what it is you're going through, there should always be joy. There should always be joy. We should be saturated with joy if we have Jesus. Quick story, I have six kids, so I'm acquainted with patience. But there are those times where I do get discouraged or I worried and I start to complain about our situation as a family. I need more money. I need a bigger house or cheaper groceries. Amen? Amen. Cheaper groceries. A pack of chicken costs $20. Cheaper groceries. But God has a way of reminding me on how he's had my back in the past. I can remember getting my first ministry job in Chicago on the west side. And I remember traveling from Waukegan, Illinois, to Chicago's west side, I would take the metro train. All those who know about Chicago know about the metro. So I took the metro from the north suburb all the way to Chicago to get on the green line, which is the city train, the L. Took the green line to the west side, and I would get off the L, and I would walk to this job. I loved this job. This job was amazing. But at this time, I accepted this job. I was broke. (laughs) I was broke. I was broke. I was broke. And so uh, I would barely make it there. And it was the, the funny thing is about going to this job, and it was an awesome job. It was through Moody Bible Institute, uh, Moody Church. That's where I met my, my beautiful wife right there on the west side of Chicago through this ministry called By the Hand Club for Kids. And I remember working there. And my very first day, you know, I'm just observing, and I, I spent the whole day there, and I was contemplating like, man, I have no coins in my pocket to make it here all week. What am I going to do? Uh, so anyway, my first day there, I'm excited. I get there and I'm sitting in the office at the end of the day. And the boss comes in and she hands all of my coworkers at this time in an envelope. She hands everybody an envelope, you know, one after another. And she goes past me and she hands everyone's an envelope. And then she comes to me. I think she did this as a joke because I was like, I know those are checks. I know those are checks, and there's no way I'm getting one on my first day. And then she comes to me, and she says, here you go. 
And I sat there. I was like, yo, this is crazy. And she says, Randall, don't, don't look surprised. You're on salary now. So you're on the same pay schedule as everybody else. So you are going to receive a check today. Praise the Lord. Right? All I'm trying to say is that when you find yourself grumbling or struggling with patience, you need to have some nothing but Jesus highlights. You need to investigate your mental Rolodex and know that God wasn't just good to you then, he's good to you now. Somebody in here needs to hear that, that God wasn't just good to you then, he's good to you now. If there's Jesus there should always be room for joy. James says, do not complain. Point three, here we go. We're rolling right through. Read with me in verse 10. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. In the same city of Waukegan, Illinois, I went to this school called Glenwood Elementary School, and the teacher name was Mrs. Phillips. I love Miss Phillips because she was really good in teaching me at math. And um, I love this class, but it wasn't really because of math. I would walk in, and sometimes I would just stare at the wall. And some of you looking at me like, what in the world is up with Randall today? But I would stare at the wall because on the wall in this classroom, she had three posters. Now, what I'm about to say is, you know, I'm 40 years old, so relate with me real quick. So in this classroom, there were posters, but there were three of them. So one of the posters was Charles Barkley, right? Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson, and, and, and the third poster was the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. For those who want to argue with me afterwards, we can do this. Is <laughs> Michael Jordan. Okay, all right. I just wanted to make sure y'all was with me, all right? Michael, Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan. James is saying when you find yourself struggling with patience, you need some posters. And the posters here are the prophets. Let's start with Ezekiel. God tells Ezekiel to strip down and lie down for 390 days. I'm trying to communicate patience to my people, but don't move, Ezekiel. Patience. Then he goes to Hosea. I want to use you as an example of my faithfulness to my people, and I want you to marry a woman named Gomer. And she will break your heart again and again and again. And when she does, take her back because that's what I do with you. Patience. And then we get to verse 11. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Here it is. Here is the Michael Jordan of patience. Job wakes up one day and loses all of his businesses. He attends a funeral 
with 10 caskets, each one holding one of his kids, covered in boils, a wife chirping in his ear, curse God and die. And after experiencing all of that, what does Job, the Michael Jordan of patience, say? Well, if you just write this down, if you go to Job chapter 19, you will find exactly what Job says. Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. What's crazy about this, and we're going to spend a little bit more time here, what's crazy about this is that Job says, I know my Redeemer lives, even though he doesn't feel like saying it. Gospel City Church, if you haven't got anything I've said up until this point, please get this. When you find yourself going through life's irritating and frustrating grains of sand, always let what you know trump how you feel. Let me say that again. Always let what you know trump how you feel. I got to share this. I had to preach the gospel to myself. Because there are times, and there was one particular time last year, where I was allowing the enemy to tell me quite a few lies. And I started to believe those lies. Last year, last year was a tough year. My wife, she lost her father. My father-in-law passed away of cancer. Um, he had stomach cancer and he had a battle. Um, I would say he probably battled for about a, a little bit less than a year. And in that process, and even sometimes now, I'll be honest with you, you know, I have to let what I know trump how I feel. And in that situation, I can remember that as we were going through, we were all as a family praying and remained trying to be faithful in this time. Very, very tough time. Believe in God. We, we decided to go a different route than what the doctors were telling us. And um, the situation uh, got worse around this very time. I, don't want, I want to say this may be even the weekend, right, Ainge? Uh, as far as the uh, anniversary of when everything just kind of got worse. And then our feelings just got crazy. And we started to believe all the lies. Well, you know, we were told at the time that he had, you know, 24 hours to live. And we were in the emergency room. I, I remember staying right there like, wow, this is, he's really about to go. But we're looking at him. He's talking to us, laughing. And he's like, how can I feel so good? And this would be the end. And we were all this remaining you know, prayerful, and we we're singing worship in the emergency room and all of these things, and I'll speed this story up just a little bit. In those moments, we're wrestling with patience, being very impatient, like, well, what are you going to do? We believe that you're going to do something, but we're hearing all of these things that it's going to end. And fast forward, another day goes by, he's still here. A a another day goes by, and he's still here. And we're still praying and we're singing worship, but we're doing all these things and we're, we're still hearing the voices of these lies where he, he, he's just, you know, a different type of patient. And so the doctors were just giving these sprinkles of discouragement. 
And as a family, I can remember this very time we were in the living room and we were praising the Lord. My little four-year-old was, was running around, thank you, Lord, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord. And I, could, I got it on video. I, I would love to show you the video. Um, and so at this time, this is about a month in. Then another month goes by. And then in this particular month, um, he had a hole in his stomach. And I remember the doctors, uh, he went in for a visit, and they said, yo, the, your, the hole in your stomach it, is closed. Miraculously, the stomach has closed without any surgery or anything. And the doctor told us he's going to need a miracle. And now, mind you, it's already been two months since they told us he had 24 hours. And then he goes another month and another month. At this point, the Lord has given us four months with him of just hanging out with him, being able to enjoy family, flying in from all over the place. And it was just a beautiful time. The Lord called him home. And during that time, I can remember like, wow, they told us one thing. The enemy was just lying to us. And we had to like stop and say, those are lies. Those are lies. We had, we had to let what we know trump how we feel. Even now, when we feel like, yo, we could have did something differently. He could have still been here. Those are lies. We have to let what we know trump how we feel. In other words, when you are hit with the process of patience, whatever yours may be, you got to go with what you know. And that is God is in complete control of everything. And you don't have to give in to the lies that the enemy is telling you. God has not left the picture. He is always with you. Job says, I feel discouraged, but I know he lives. I feel defeated, but I know he lives. I feel overwhelmed, but I know he lives. James says, when you find yourself struggling with patience, you've got some posters. So let me ask this same question that I asked you at the beginning of the message. Where are you today? Are you struggling with patience in this season? If so, what are you going to do about it? Are you struggling with patience in this season? If so, what are you going to do about it? I'll tell you what we're going to do about it. We're going to spend the next few moments in prayer. If you don't mind, uh, maybe it's just the person right next to you. You can group up in threes or whatever. But just a few moments. And I believe there are some individuals in here who, will, who may be wrestling with impatience. Trying to do things in their own strength. Acting prematurely. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that. James highlights to us in today's passage, a very brief passage, that we need to be patient. We need to remain patient in the process. And I believe the first step today we can take is prayer. Prayer is powerful. Amen? So let's do that. 
Let's spend the next few moments in prayer, asking the Lord to put our hearts and our mind at ease and to give us healthy habits on way of how to wait for him, to wait on him. Father God, we thank you. As we hear the whispers of the prayers of your people, Lord, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for being present. You say, Lord, when two or more are gathered, Lord, you are present. And we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word today, Lord, in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, Lord, that you are communicating to us that we need to be patient. So we ask you, Lord, this morning to help us, Lord, in our impatience to be patient. Lord, there's a process we have to go through, and we we want to welcome that process because you know we know that you are with us. Forgive us, Lord, for moving in our own strength. Forgive us, Lord, because we know that you are in complete control and we want to walk as you walk. We want to go where you say go. We want to abide in you so we know that the way we're going is the way you want us to go. So that's our prayer this morning, Lord. We want to be with you. We want to be patient, Lord, and we know that's going to take some stuff. Help us, Lord, to endure and help us, Lord, to, to let what we know trump how we feel this morning. And we pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.